chalk and cheese we were. Ah, little and large. There was I thinking the differences kept us solid. The differences were growing, but in every way you could see. Rose, Rose. What's happened, Leonard? What's wrong? I got it. I can't believe it. I got it. Give it here to me. Oh, Jesus. You know what this means, Rose. Hey, what's wrong? <laughs> well, you'll be going, so. But you have to come with me. Oh, how can I? Rose, you have to. But how? No way I'm going on my own. Oh, Leonard, don't be such a... Come with me. Do. Maybe they'll let you transfer. Transfer? I'm not sure. I, I don't we'll know. We'll try. We'll ring them. We'll write to them. We'll pester them till they give in. And we did. Two 18-year-olds on the adventure of their lives up in Dublin. Couldn't get enough of each other. How he pined when I went to see my ma'am. And when I'd get back, we'd the clothes stripped right off each other once we'd pushed that bedsit door closed behind us. She was my rose, my rock, my home. First girlfriend, childhood sweethearts. It's too much to expect, I suppose. We hadn't a been those college years. Student grants, not a whole lot more. Amazing how many ways you can cook lentils. A free burger from a pal working in McDonald's every now and again. Didn't matter. We had what mattered. We had each other. It was enough. Then. She was kind, Rose. Soft and kind. Fiery and honest, like lads would be, too. You knew where you stood with her. Always a help. Not always the case with women. They'll say something's fine when it's anything but. It's fine. Don't get that. Anyways, at the kitchen table we were. She was helping me with junior sir at maths. Her mam came over real quiet, placed two club milks on a plate for us and a glass of milk each beside our copies. Bent to press a kiss onto the top of Rose's head. Rose reached a hand back and squeezed her arm. Never took her eyes off the page. Used to it, I suppose. Her mam patted my shoulder and was gone. Blink and you'd miss it. Tenderness. Why is it the best things happen in silence? I was hooked. So you take the X from here to outside the brackets and that leaves only the one X inside. The X squared gone, see? <laughs> what are you grinning at? You're lovely. Oh, flattery won't get this algebra into your thick skull, Leonard Tierney. Come on. I don't understand it. I go over it and over it and it still makes no sense. Can't even say what was the start of it. Man being sick. Me minding her and bringing the two boys home so I could be with her at the end. I can't see it. Anyway. I was glad when she died. Sad for me, of course, but it was over for her. I thought when she'd finally go, it'd be easier. But it was worse, of course. She was damning herself after her mother died. They were very close, not like my so-called family. She and her mother liked each other, actually liked each other, and weren't afraid to show it. It was the first thing that made me fall for Rose. Never told her that. Isn't that a queer thing? Won't be telling her now. And it's so simple. We had it all. My job finally secure and scope to keep climbing. Lovely house in a nice area on the leafy south side. Prices seemed to go up exponentially with proximity to trees. Rose wouldn't consider a house with no vegetation in view. Don't get that. The layout, the design, that's way more important. 
We need green, Leonard. We have to be able to breathe, to be close to nature. And trees are restful. You have to be near them if you're living in the city. One price for trees somewhere in your sight lines, higher again for trees on your street, and an arm and a leg for a leaf in your garden you can actually touch. <laughs> Wouldn't mind if you could eat them, Rose. <laughs> So we got the house, and we were blessed with two healthy boys, Adam and Tom. I thought that with more time on our hands, getting back to our own work would do her some good. A change of scenery, a change of people. I'm no saint. Don't pretend to be. It's different for men, though. Sex. We don't do that whole attachment thing. Not wired that way. Compartments. We've lots of them. And they work for us. And let's face it. We're more into it. If the porn industry had to rely on funding by entertaining women, <laughs> well, I love my wife. I love my boys. I love the life we have together. Not saying I'm proud of it, but I don't think it would be in anyone's interests to share it. It would only hurt the people I love. What good would that do? It's a separate thing. It'll always be a separate thing, a separate space. Another side of me no one sees, nor needs to. Parked. Leonard's idea it was. He was right too, I think, maybe. He placed the ad. He interviewed three applicants to mind Tom at home and chose the best. A young Polish woman, Agnieszka. Just lovely. You cannot pay a woman to love your child. But she does, and for that I'm forever grateful. She's more patience than I have. Looked happier about it too. I hung around the first day thinking she'd need a bit of guidance and the like. Not a bit. She motored her tight little body around my house and around my boys and not a bother on her. Shocking to feel redundant in your own home. Well, I didn't stay home again and her there. Leonard did a job on my CV and sent it out. Very professional. He had me so talked up I hardly recognised myself. That Rose Watserface? Yeah, great CV. She could turn her hand to anything, give her the job. I was called for three interviews. The school, the hospital and the prison. Within two months of firing wet soil down on top of my mother's coffin, I had a new haircut, I was dressed smartly, makeup on, and heading out the door to my first day working in the prison. So there I was, standing in the art room, looking at these six male prisoners, two prison officers out by the walls. They'd assured me I was safe, that these were model prisoners close to being released, not volatile, well, hadn't been. Not while in prison. <laughs> no knives, no scissors and no guillotine, all the same. And they'd come to the art room of their own free will. Have they? Of their own free will? You mean they want to do art? I asked the prison officer. Want was stretching it a bit. It was art or cleaning toilets. Them were their choices. <laughs> Reassuring to see what a high opinion the prison had of art. I was used to teaching life drawing, but that was out of the question. So the first day, I set them up with paper and charcoal and seated them in a circle around a still life. A sorry-looking jug and an apple you wouldn't really be tempted to take a bite out of. Only one fellow of the six had no tattoos on his fingers. A giant of a man. Casper, they called him. When a sheet of paper took flight and sailed across the room, didn't he step clean over the table as if it were no more than a footstool to catch hold of it? Something about his skin seemed to draw light right into it. 
At break, standing at the window upstairs, I was, my hands wrapped around a mug of steaming coffee, when Casper came walking across the yard, carrying a trestle table. Didn't he stop right below me and rested it down on the ground? He looked straight up at me and then stooped low and rolled the whole thing up onto one shoulder and off with him again, sauntering along as if he was carrying no more than the weight of a hurl, the long legs on him. Isn't there great beauty in the male form, I was thinking. <laughs> no wonder the Greeks were so taken by it. We are very lucky. I don't know any man who is as close to his wife as me and Rose are. Teenagers together, first kiss, figured out sex together, never slept with... Well... We look out for each other. I know what Rose thinks about nearly everything, and she's the same with me. I could go into a shop, say, and buy her a blouse or a dress, and they'd fit. I know your inside leg. I know your inside leg, Leonard Tierney. She used to tease me, but she does. We know each other inside out. Inside legs and all. It was after Adam was born. Forceps. She tore badly. I felt so close to her. Adam had to stay in for a couple of days' observation in the special unit, welts on the side of his soft head. Of course, she stayed in with him. I knew I was being a prick. I had Gillian's number from a team meeting. I sent a text, pretty innocuous. She got it, though, knew exactly what it meant. It was like electricity running through my body when she texted back. In those three hours I waited to see her, in my mind, my tongue, my hands, they went all over her body, inside it too. I could feel her bare flesh pressed up against mine. I could smell her. How could I smell her when I'd never so much as touched her beyond a business handshake? I felt I'd had sex with her before we even came together. Afterwards? Guilt? Yes, of course. But something else, too. I felt alive, energised, renewed, in a way I'd never felt with Rose. I tried different things with them. Line drawing, printing, working with clay, painting furniture, collage, anything that took their fancy. The four younger men, not much older than boys in truth, they stuck together, slagging each other, cracking jokes, keeping up the banter. The two older men, John John and Casper, they moved alone, but Casper stood out. The only Polish man, he never spoke. I couldn't tell if he understood everything. His eyes were bright and lively, a hazily green, taller and broader than the other men. He wore long shorts, black intricate tattoos on his calves, whirls and diagonals, never seen tattoos like them before. Beautiful. The other men were respectful towards him, didn't slag him, quick to pass him stuff. He got irritated just the once. Shane was teasing Jason, started throwing pencils at him, kept it up even after I'd moved him. And over Casper walked to Shane, sat square in front of him, all the men hushed. 
Shane's eyes dancing wild in his head, not knowing what was coming. He placed both his hands on the sides of Shane's face, his thumbs on his cheekbones. I watched his fingertips. They never blanched, so it's not like he was squeezing him. Just the solidness and warmth of the flesh of his broad, tanned hands holding Shane's face. Casper stared into his eyes. The guards drifted in close just in case. Shane calmed. Then Casper stood and returned to his work. It was like a spell. Oh, what was this man doing in a place like this? I couldn't believe that Rose couldn't tell. I thought we were closer than that. Maybe it was the baby and the missed sleep and her body leaking blood and milk after the birth. I lay awake those nights after she came home from hospital, lying on my back, staring at the ceiling, the baby between us, her arms shielding him. He was a summer baby, the early light causing the blinds to give the room a weak, watery light, the kind of light just before the sun comes up proper, properly. Sound like Rose now. She sees space everywhere. One time the baby started to snuffle, making those noises small babies make when they're about to wake. In her sleep, she pulled the tit out of her nursing bra and gave it to him. Never opened their eyes, the pair of them. He sucked and sucked, and I watched the milk drench the other cup of her bra. Still part of each other they were though he was outside her body and there was air between them. One animal, not two. He supped his fill, then it slipped out of his mouth. He was conked, drunk on it. She never stirred. It was hard not to watch him. It wasn't just his size. Size doesn't matter, not really. It was how he moved it. How his body fills space. Oh, I found it fierce hard not to stare. I felt like a spy. He moved like a cat. Smooth, fluid. Hard to see when a movement started or finished. As if it was continuous. As if he was this wound up spring and in every move he was using no more than a smidgen of his full strength. Grace. That's the word that popped into my head when I saw him squat to pick up a pencil. Grace. An old-fashioned word. I think the silence helped, too. If he was shooting his mouth off, blabbing, laughing and slagging like Dylan, Shane or Lee, he would have killed it. The mystery. Days followed, weeks followed. The baby grew fat and happy on his mother's milk and I started exercising. Had to. Couldn't sleep. I was that excited about this new private place in my life. I'd never kept anything from Rose before, ever. While part of me felt bad for her, for us, for what we had together, this new energy, this new charge in me, no way was I closing the door on that. Each time, I didn't know if it was going to be the last, if it would end that day or that week. I didn't need to see her very often, Gillian. 
That's the strange thing. All it took was a look across the meeting room, or her hand brushing against mine in the lift, our mouths finding each other for five minutes if I turned the key on my office door. No glass panelling once you get up to a certain level. These fleeting contacts, even without touch, sustained me for days. Gillian and I both had responsibilities, other lives. I wasn't taking anything from her. I wasn't using her. It was a shared thing. She, like me, was there for the physical, the sexual, the erotic charge. No more, no less. Nothing, and I mean nothing, was taboo. She loved it, and I loved it. I've never felt so free to be rough or gentle, to pin her down or completely surrender to her. The rawness, the freedom to express myself in a way sexually I'd never done before. I could never be that way with Rose. It's as if we're too close. She's never seen that side of me. It wouldn't feel right. Seeing your wife dress in the morning, seeing her take off those same clothes that night, strewn with baby burps, knowing what colour her underwear will be, white faded to grey. Great sex. It's like a journey into yourself. It's shared and yet it's not shared. You feel safe enough with this person that they're right there with you all through it. And you're there in the same way for them, accepting of whatever it is they want to do, wherever the instinct takes them. Nothing is spoken. There is no need. We had no chit-chat, Gillian and me, no talk of kids, no house talk, no work talk, none of the domestic. Gillian, Gillian was about as far from the domestic as you can go, all novelty. That helped, no question. No touching. That was one of the rules. Prisoners were not allowed to lay a hand on each other or on the teachers. And, of course, the other way round, too. But we were warned, of course, about the touching, and I took that serious, I did. But you cannot police the mind. The mind can take you places your body's not allowed to go. It was our second day painting. I was walking around, quiet-like, looking over their shoulders as they worked. I like to stand behind him. I like to be any place near him, truth be told. But I could stand behind him while he was working and stop there as long as I stopped behind the others, the same. That was okay. Anyways, I'd be counting. Always a counter. Steps on stairs. Stars on the church ceiling. People on a bench. Calms me. Can't see how, but it does. I kept at least six inches, at least. And still I could feel it. Heat off of him. If he generates that kind of heat at six inches, well... Oh, what must he be like if he were to press up against me? Lord. Oh, hang it. I moved on. tips of my fingers up his shorn hairline over the back of his head digging them into the thick hair on top oh, dragging his forehead into mine pulling his mouth into mine tasting him 
I was so taken up with examining every speck of that man's body when he couldn't see me at it that I really wasn't taking a blind bit of notice of the painting he was doing. Well, I was, but not really, no. Well, the Friday it was, the next day. Oh, there was no looking away from his work. The colours, vivid blues and oranges and golds and texture, oil paint mushed into the surface. It looked that rough. I must have stood there a full five minutes, my jaw hanging. He turned to me. Now, this wasn't a man who turned just his head. Oh, no. His head, his shoulders, his chest, hips and knees, they all swivelled round in that slow, sleepy way of his. He looked back at the painting, then right at me. And he smiled. And the light was hitting his face from the side, so it made his eyes translucent, almost backlit. I felt the blush rise up my face and run right over my scalp. He wasn't going turning away. I felt the prickle in my nipples. I bolted from the room. Thank God I'd worn breast pads. Gillian was transferred to the London office. Slide in Jane. Did it make a difference that she was married to the competition? My boss? It made it riskier. For her. And for me. Higher stakes. Meant we'd have to be more careful. Meant it was more dangerous for us both. Illicit. But that's not why I chose her. She wasn't one of these women you'd expect would be on for it. That's crap. I'm not a man you'd expect would stray. Ask me about monogamy about stable family life, about being faithful, and I'm the strongest voice in the room in praise of it. I've built my life on it. There's no way I'd have made it coming from my background without Rose, my wife, our life together, what we built. And I love her. My home life is rock solid, so predictable. I could tell you exactly how each day goes, word for word. Morning, love. Morning, Leonard. Oh, pass him over here to me. We'll have a little quiet time, won't we? In the evening, then, I'll have some story about work. She'll say something about the prison, some chit-chat. Clean up, organise the kids, then watch a bit of TV, a cup of tea and a biscuit or a glass of wine if it's the weekend. Then hey-ho, off to bed. A rumble through each other's bodies, maybe once a month if we've had a few drinks or some racy movie has us primed. Night, Leonard. Love you. Night, Rose. Love you. I'm a prick. I know. I should be grateful. But the very life I depend on, I can't bear it. I feel as if it's choking some essential part of me. I couldn't eat. Not like me, I can tell you. I'd start eating something, and it would turn tasteless, swilling around my mouth, as if my mouth wasn't made for eating food. Then my fingers would start touching my lips and imagining his big fingers with their soft, shiny flesh running over my lips. His nails were always black. Hands spotless, but nails even and black. Me sucking on his fingers. Sucking. The gym was a good cover. Fitting in was something I was always conscious of, something I became expert on had to, because I didn't fit in. My owl one didn't. Me and my sister didn't. Neglect, not easy to hide. 
but if you think about it carefully and make sure to wash and dress right, it can be hard enough to spot. I managed to pull that off at school. Always made sure Mary's uniform was clean and ironed, same as mine. Made sure the Alwyn never came to any school stuff, no concerts, no sports days. The notes home got as far as Mungan's bin at the end of our street. Not that she'd have noticed anyway. I wrote any parental notes needed for permission and the like. I'm good at looking after stuff. Rose's mother covered the parent-teacher meetings alongside me. I was the only kid who attended their own parent-teacher meetings. The teachers liked it. Could see I was serious. I'd always notice what way the fella in the job higher up than me carried himself. The cut of his suit, the shoes, the style of shirt, the shape of the shirt collar, the choice of tie. As years passed, this extended to the lifestyle, the fit, lean body, and so, the gym. I never went, of course. Well, only to shower, shave and change. Just ran. And had sex. Lots of glorious, limitless sex. Naturally, if you're getting naked with a woman whose body you desire, you want to look your best. New clothes, lost a bit of weight, looked sharper at work and in casual wear, fitted with the lifestyle. Rose never noticed. I felt like Leonard. He was always examining himself in the mirror. As if how you look affects how people see you, but no talking to him. Mirrors were never my friend. Grand from the neck up, nice neck, plump rosy cheeks, shiny healthy skin, but after that, disaster. My body grows out. Bosoms charge forwards. Solid hips out the flanks and a good arse to the rear. (laughs) Leonard always liked it, so I didn't care. As long as I didn't look at any of them women's magazines or look at my jiggly bits in the mirror in town trying on clothes. And that changed. It was like someone took a flesh hoover to me, sucked off all the extra from my chest, tummy and hips. But it's my eyes that really showed it. They have a light in them, they dance, they sparkle with the possibility of Casper and me. I'll burn in hell. How can you be riddled with guilt on the one hand and pining for a stranger on the other? I do pass myself in the mirror and don't recognise myself. I'm two people now. I'm a man with two kids and a good kind husband whom I dearly, dearly love. Oh my God, if he found out, I'd never forget. Then I'm this other woman who can't eat nor sleep nor enjoy anything, only think about all the ways she wants to touch and hold and make love to, absolutely make love to a big, strange man from another land. His tongue along your inner thigh, which, yes, is sizably smaller, true. As small as the time before you ever met Leonard. Imagine that. Life before Leonard. My body before Leonard. Oh, but he can run his finger. His wet finger. He can trail his fingertips like a horse's tail. He can brush his lips. He... Oh, God. I'm away again. I'm possessed. It's a kind of fever. It sucks up all your energy. Pity I can't get up close and touch him in one way. I'd find out he's human. Just a man. 
Why are you getting rid of your clothes? Uh, they're old. Or don't hang right. Or, or just sick of them. You do get sick of clothes. Something's different. Something? Everything. Yeah? With you. The weight, I suppose. Weird, isn't it? You should stop dieting. If only it was dieting. I'm not. No, really, I, I don't know why you'd even... I think it suits. I wasn't dieting. Not dieting? Just looking after myself. Nice to get my body back after the babies. There's something else. It's more than that. Fuck. Oh, I was always a terrible liar. What, something else? Just different. Oh? Suits you. Really? Yeah, it'll take getting used to, but I like it. It wasn't just in how she looked, the change. The following Saturday night, that was different too. We did our usual one too, but there was a quiver in her touch. She was really excited. She trembled, actually trembled. It was hard to hide. If I couldn't lay a hand on him, well, I could always pretend Leonard was him. No law against that. Jesus, what am I saying? I'll roast in hell. And yet... Oh, I wanted to do things with Casper I'd never done with Leonard. I wonder, could Casper sense anything? I've betrayed my husband with him in every way my mind can imagine. I'm not proud of that. But what can you do? I've been in the grip of this and it's not letting go. The prison ran a public exhibition in the local arts centre every year of all the best of all the arts and crafts work done by the men. A constructive activity, the prison called it. Even sold some of the work. It meant an evening out on release for any prisoner whose work was selected. I got all the men to put their work on display on the art room wall. You can guess whose paintings got pride of place. Bang in the middle, eye level, well spaced. I stood well back, pretending to be eyeing them all, of course. But it was only his I had eyes for. Turbulence, passion, even a hint of violence in his background colours, but always this light bursting through, full of hope and possibility. Oh, it'd catch your breath. I think he knew. He was careful, mind. Kept his distance, but I'd catch a sideways glance from him. I gave myself only the teeniest of allowances, little peeks at him. Anyone else would think I was ignoring him. It'll pass. That's what I'm hoping. Or I'll do something stupid. I'll slip. I'll make a grab for him. I I'm in heaven just to be in the same room as him. It fills me with such peace that I'm more likely to just rest against him. Rest the weight of the whole length of my body against his. Oh, God. Mm. We were breaking for Halloween. Casper designed masks for all the men. Full face masks were cut for the fellas with kids. Venetian masks for them that didn't. To give to their girlfriends, I'm guessing. My mind was not wondering whether Casper had kids or a wife. I didn't want to know anything about the man outside of that art room. I had enough guilt going on. Fear strong altogether. Passion. That it withstands all these things bashing around in my head and me trying and failing to sideline it. 
Rose had a work thing to go to after, some do in the art centre. Agnieszka had stayed on to help him get organised and I let her off early. I love Halloween, the dressing up, the innocent pretending, trying on other lives. Adam was a ghost, white sheet, big hole for his face, black makeup, black lipstick. He insisted that I dress up too, so nothing for it but a long white sheet for me with eye holes and my own squirt of fake blood down the front. Tom was in the buggy, sucking on his piggy mask. First time I've ever kept anything from him, anything big. Nothing's happened. Yeah, right. Two stone lighter. Sex obsessed. And longing to lie down with a man you don't know because he's mute and you've never even touched. A common criminal. But I know the beauty of his paintings. The way his body moves. The way he is in himself. I know how he holds his breath and bites on his inside cheek when he's doing some really delicate work. How his thumb plays with his lower lip when he's deciding whether the piece is finished. Everything I'm thinking about him is completely made up. I can't trust my body. It wants to betray Leonard and it doesn't see what's stopping me. I feel like I've a civil war waging inside of me. The boys were well tired. We'd called on all their friends' houses in the neighbourhood. Their songs were belted out and their stash of goodies stockpiled in Tom's buggy. The art centre wasn't far, just a short walk down Main Street, so we took that route home. I got a bit of a land when I saw the squad car. You always think of an accident. But of course, Rose had mentioned that a few of the prisoners were on release for the opening night because their work was being shown. And there was the prison van. I manoeuvred the buggy across the street and between the cars, up onto the path and stopped it right in front of the big glass window of the art centre. Inside was packed with people. I was grinning away behind my mask, the blood dried on the sheet. I was looking forward to surprising Rose and had told the boys to watch out for her. We squinted in the window, searching through the crowd for her. I got cleaned up at the art centre and changed into a new outfit I'd bought for the night. It was a big night. Of course, it was the annual exhibition of the men's work, wasn't it? And because I would be in the same room as Casper all evening. He would be a free man for the evening, out of prison, in the real world. And I could finally wear a new blouse, jacket and trousers that would look right on me. No more tents. No more mother-the-bloody-bride outfits. To tell you the truth, I didn't recognise myself. There was all kinds of stuff on display. Drawings and paintings on the walls. It looked like any opening night anywhere except for the squad car and the prison officers in civvies behind each exit. No telling looking into the crowd inside that room, though, who was prisoner and who was free. Over to one side was a different-looking couple. He was very tall, one of these Eastern European strongman types, fellows who were just born with muscle, no training needed. He was tall enough to need to dip his head to get through a doorway, but he had no hunch. She had her back to us. You could see she was slim and dressed in the understated way of the moneyed, clothes that fit perfectly and hang without strain or crease on a body that's lean and taut. There was something else I couldn't put my finger on. 
I looked around the rest of the crowd, but my eyes kept drifting back to that couple. They weren't speaking. That was it. They both stared at a painting and stood very close to each other, but didn't touch. They were rooted to the spot. Tom had finished his jellies and wanted his mammy. I'm looking, I told him. She'll be here any minute. I gave him a lolly to pacify him. Where was Rose? I scanned the crowd again. No sign of her. Then, a movement caught my eye. A familiar movement of the head. I looked over towards the couple again. He had turned to face her with an open, adoring look and a small, closed-lipped smile. Unmistakable when you see it. She turned and lifted her face to his. God! Hiya, love. Hi. How'd it go? Hmm? The boys, how'd they get on? Fine. Fine? Just fine? Are they asleep already? Yeah, out like lights. Oh, only I'd hope to see. Asher, ah, sure. I'll get the full story from him in the morning. Leonard, are you okay? I see you got a head start on me with the wine. Would you pour me a glass? You got a new suit. Oh yeah, what do you think? Do you like it? It's different to the usual. To our lovely family. Cheers. Cheers. So how did the opening go? Mm. So-so. Well, I suppose. So-so. Well, come on, Rose. You can do better than that. What do they choose in the end? Oh, there was all kinds of things. Some of the men are really talented. You should see the leather bags they make. Oh, really? What other kinds of things? Uh, wood turnings, beautiful pen holders. Oh, yeah? What else? Anything you'd like to buy for yourself for the house? Anything that good? Mm, I don't know. Um, some of the pottery pieces, maybe? What about from your art room, from your own students? I thought, actually, I thought you might swing by with the boys. Really? I think they'd have liked it. It would have been interesting for them. For you, too. Why didn't you, you know, drop in? Tell me about the paintings, Rose. I'd like to know more about the paintings. What? My wife is an art teacher and her student or students paint paintings. Is it too much to ask you to tell me about the paintings? The paintings? You're not making... You're drunk. Not yet, but I intend to be. Leonard, what are you at? We did. What? You did what? We did call in. When? You couldn't have. I didn't see you. What are you on about, Leonard? We stood outside. You stood outside? We stood outside and looked for you. Leonard? We saw you, Rose. What? Well, why didn't you come in then when you saw me? Why are you blushing, Rose? So when were you going to tell me? Tell you? I'm... It's just, I... You're a terrible liar. Leonard! You've been caught, Rose, red-handed, in front of your children. That's not... I don't know what... To... It's not like a... What did you say to the kids? Is he a prisoner? What did you say? Did they see me? You're having an affair with a prisoner. Jesus, no! You're not having an affair with him, or he's not a prisoner. Okay, I don't know how this works, Rose. You're going to have to help me. Leonard, what the hell? A little accident. Nothing intentional. Relax, I'll clean it up. 
It's all under control. It's Halloween. My two sons are asleep and my wife is having an affair with a prison officer or an incarcerated criminal with artistic tendencies. We're all fine and dandy. Nothing's happened. Nothing's happened. Like fuck, nothing's happened. Everything's happened. I do my best at work, at home, with the kids. I'm really trying. And then this... You think I haven't had opportunities? You think I haven't been tempted? Leonard, I haven't laid one finger on this man. This man? Who the fuck is he? Does it matter? Of course it fucking matters. You've betrayed me, Rose. Me, Leonard. We have vows. We took vows. Casper, his name is... A fucking ghost. I've been betrayed for a ghost. Well, that's something. Casper with a K. Oh, and I'm I sorry. Casper with a K. That's some leap all the same. We're gone all continental now. So is he a prison officer or a criminal? You are too angry. I'm too angry. I don't have a right to be angry. You're my wife. My fucking wife. Of course he's a criminal or else he'd have said. He's your student. Jesus Christ. You're not hearing me, Leonard. And you're not making sense. I'll explain when you've calmed How down. How dare you? How dare you talk down to me? You've no fucking idea. I don't know who you are anymore. Would you like a cup of tea? Well, I'm having a cup of tea. Look, Leonard, let's sit down and talk. Leonard? Leonard! get to do this to me. No way. For fuck's sake! Jesus. A common criminal. Fuck you, Rose. Fuck you. That was Parked, written by Aideen Henry. Sound supervision was by Gar Duffy and Ruth Kennington. Parked by Aideen Henry was directed by Goretti Slaven. The series producer of Drama on One is Kevin Reynolds. To listen back to this and other plays, go to rte.ie slash drama on one. rte.ie forward slash drama on one.